Hello, Bears fans, and welcome to another episode of the Bears on Tap podcast. I am Ron Luce, joined by the man himself, Mr. Q. And uh, as everybody who likes us here at Bears on Tap knows, um, it is draft season. And what that means here at On Tap, it's Q season. Uh, and we're going to have a little fun on today's show, actually. I'm actually really excited for this. But before we get into it, Q, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, I think I got 42 prospects left to watch. And that's it. Last week, I said like 50 something. And I watched like 20. And that math doesn't add up because I keep adding prospects. So, <laughs> hey, that's not a bad thing, though. That's not a bad yeah. thing. I will yeah. never tell you that's a bad thing. <laughs> like, I just watched this guy uh, recently. Si- I'm not even sure how you pronounce his name. I'll have to look in Brugler's draft guide once it comes out because he has phonetic spellings for everybody. Mm. But uh, Sidey Sow out okay. of uh, Eastern Michigan, offensive okay. guard, like, he was impressive. I was very impressed. Hey, Eastern Eastern Michigan puts out some good prospects, man. I mean, yeah, local local Chicagoland product uh, from years back. One uh, one Dan O'Connor uh, was yeah. uh, was a Rita boy and went to Eastern and found himself on a Super Bowl winning roster with the Bucks. So you never know, man. Hey, uh, as our as our friend Beaton would say, uh, the the Mac schools will uh, will give you the talent whether you like it or not. And yeah. of anybody that'll remind you that it is certainly beat on. So um, it's all about the action, all about the action. But Q, you put together a pretty neat little tool here uh, that we're going to have some fun with. And it's kind of a, a big old game of what if. And it's what if in the first and what if in the second round for the Chicago Bears. Um, do you want to go ahead and explain how this thing works? And then we'll bring it up and, and, and get it on the screen here. Yeah, sure. It's, if you've ever watched a game show, you'll. You'll get it. It's just a big wheel that spins, and wherever it lands, it says a player's name and the round that they will be picked. It's like, you know, not predicting where they will be picked, but our job is to give the opinion of if this player got picked by the Bears in this round, how would we feel? It's all first and second round. I didn't do anything too deep, but um yeah, we're just here to let you know what how we would feel about that. Try to put ourselves in the moment. Yeah, and maybe if you didn't have 42 more prospects to watch, maybe it would have been a little deeper. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just busting your balls, man. Hey, I'm excited. This is gonna be fun. Um, because again, this is this is gonna be a lot of fun to I, I'm intrigued to hear your opinion. Um, I'm intrigued to hear what comes out of my own mouth, admittedly, with some of these guys, because <laughs> Just from like, a, hey, oh, okay, I didn't think about this guy. You know, it, it, again, I think it it gets you away from the norms that you see within, I'll call it the NFL draft sphere of just you know people guessing who's going where and and who's interested in who. It's more just a legit, hey, if this guy comes up and the Bears take him, what do you think? So I'm all for yeah, it. Well, like we'll pull that last up. year. Was Kyler Gordon on any of our radars really? Like I remember, I think Brian Perez wrote an article predicting it, but outside of that, we were all looking O-line wide receiver. That was all we were looking at, and we it was a giant curveball for most of us. 100%. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, being on the, the draft show a year ago with, with you guys and, and listening to you guys break down each pick was cool. So this is kind of a, a little bit of a – I'll call it a tease form of that here. Um, and a lot of what ifs, which are always fun. So let's go ahead and pull that up on the screen. The old bear down wheel uh, as we got going here. So uh, Q, 
I will let you do the honors, my friend. Do you want to take the first one? Yeah, sure. I'll go ahead and do the first one. All right. Hopefully I get someone good. The anticipation's killing me. Oh, that's a good one. Darnell Wright in the first round. I could not be upset about this, even if it was at number nine. I think Darnell Wright is a top 15 player in this draft. And Mm -hmm. at nine, I mean, you're reaching a little. But ultimately, I think you are getting a plug-and-play starter at right tackle who's a natural right tackle. And as the little emoticon will tell you, has the best hands in the draft. Like, I this flat out, this is my favorite offensive line tape I've watched this year. Um, he is just so much fun to watch. He has so many tools at his disposal, whether he's snap trapping guys, whether he's running them up behind the pocket. There are just so many things that he does well. I would love it. I mean, trade down or at nine, I would probably don't love it at nine, but I, would st- I wouldn't be upset about it at nine. I like it. Uh, I, yeah, that, that'd be a hell of a pick. That'd be fun. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's roll the wheel again. Uh, See who you get. Who I get. I don't know, man. Deontay Ooh. Banks, cornerback Deontay. out of Maryland in the first round. I'm just going to go and say this is a huge reach. Um, just by nature, because I, don't know a terrible amount about him, but a lot of boards uh, from what I have seen have him as like the fifth, sixth best corner. So maybe if this said Deontay Banks second round, I wouldn't be as, oh, don't do that. Don't do this. But again, I mean, he's a decent sized corner. I mean, six foot, um, just shy of 200 pounds. I mean, that's a good size corner. Um, I'm not sure whether the Bears would want him more outside or in the slot. Obviously, I feel like they could go either way because I feel like Kyler Gordon can play both of those. So it's more of just a, hey, if you get a corner, wherever he's strongest, they'll play Gordon then in the other spot. But at the first round, I would not be happy about this pick. This would be one of those classic, like, where they panned the draft party. Yeah. And everybody's, what the hell is this? They're yelling at the cameras. (laughs) That that would be the reaction, I think, for that pick in the first round. So Banks is actually, he's a pretty divisive prospect from what I've seen. I've seen a lot of variation on where people have him ranked. I think he's the third best corner in the class. Hmm. Um, But there are people who don't think he's a top 50 pick either. And and there are some people who have him. Like I think uh, the Athletic had him. It was either the Athletic or maybe it was Zerline who have him like a top 30 player. Mm -hmm. I, I have him like a top 20 player. But I, I just really liked his tape. But even so, cornerback just isn't really the need, and I'm not sure he's he's that good enough that I'm foregoing need at other positions with similar players. Agreed. And, and quickly, before we go ahead and spin the wheel again, I want to get your take on this. Would you rank a guy like Banks higher than like a, a Kiwi Ringo or a Joey Porter Jr., who are kind of those guys that are, are garnishing a lot of that attention in that third to fourth kind of tier with these corners? I, I do. I mean, I think that I personally, like I, I have to watch what I say, cause I'm not going to say I have them in the same tier as Witherspoon. Like for me, there's, you know, Christian Gonzalez and Witherspoon are one, a one B. Sure. And then there's a little drop off where I have banks just on his own. And then I get to Porter. Okay. Um, now I think Ringo is tough. Cause like he is so talented, but 
he just has these these lapses in his play where it's just like what were you you can't win football when that's happening you know right. you just you just can't and that might be developmental but like cornerback is a position where i'm not big on developing a first round pick you know i want a yeah. guy to come in and be pretty darn good from the start at corner mm-hmm. because you just can't win when you're giving up deep balls like that because of a busted coverage. Sure. Yeah. Especially, especially in today's NFL. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's see who else we got. So Isaiah Foskey, edge rusher out of Notre Dame in the second round. This is a pick I would love. In the second round, absolutely. I have Foskey ranked somewhere around 35 on my board right now. So getting him at, what are the Bears, 54? Is that their pick? 54, 53? I believe so, 54. I yeah. think there's a lot of value there. I think his best fit is a even front defensive end. And that's, wouldn't you know it, that's exactly what the Bears do. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, I see Foskey as a guy who has first-round talent. And for whatever reason, he's not getting the love. Like his production was good, not great. He's he has a ton of special teams experience. He's blocking punts out there. Like there's a lot to like the more you dig in on on him. Mm-hmm. That I'm just not. I I have this hankering feeling that the NFL teams are going to see that too, and they're not going to be too worried about what round grade he has from all the analysts out there. They'll probably take him in the twenties if yeah. they need one and see, see him as a fit. But in the second round, I just think Foskey is outstanding value. Do you think with regard to Foskey, because of how deep the trenches are on both sides of the ball in this year's draft, do you think he gets a little forgotten about because of that? Yeah, I would say, I I would definitely say that's a factor. Cause like, okay. I mean, I said myself, I think he's a first round caliber guy, mm-hmm. but he's somewhere between 30 and 35 on my board. Like, Which you know, is that much higher than where a lot of other boards have them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I that doesn't, you know, if you're a first round guy, you're usually going to be somewhere in the mid twenties is the back end of the first round. Mm-hmm. So this year, I, I definitely think that depth is pushing him down a little. And then, yeah, to your point as a second round pick, that feels like huge value then. Yeah. All right. Let's see who you get, Ron. Here we go. Give me something good. Ooh. Oh, okay. This is such an interesting one. Zach Charbonnet in the second round. Here's the thing with, with, with Charbonnet for me. I personally think he's probably like a high, late second, high third in terms of where I think a lot of people are projecting him. There is going to be a team, I think, that takes him sooner than that. I truly believe that because when your head coach who has coached some of the best running backs in the NFL, Shady McCoy, among others, calls you the most elusive back he's ever seen. That's high praise. That's really high praise. And if I'm the bears, I like Charbonnet. And I I know there's a lot of other people in bears Twitter that also like Charbonnet, but I think he reminds me in a lot of ways of David Montgomery, but just a little bit, faster and maybe a little more of a complete back, even though Montgomery was quite a complete back himself. So I wouldn't be mad about it because again, I truly do think somebody's going to, I, 
I, he might not even be there for the Bears at 54, if I'm being brutally frank. Yeah. I think there's going to be somebody that falls in love with Charbonnet and takes him earlier. So if I'm the Bears and this is their – even if this is their first or second of the two seconds that they have, count me in. I'm I'm all for it. I like Charbonnet, adding him to that what's already a three-headed monster in the Bears' backfield. Dude, I just see Matt Forte every time I, I turn on his – Yes, yes. Like, Forte was probably a little shiftier, more agile, but, like – there's there are so many parallels to Forte for me there. Yeah. And Forte is there sound with this, or is it just on there my is. headphones? No, okay. I can hear it. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, okay. A guy who I do not. Th- they, I think they would have to move up in the second round to get Keanu Benton, yeah. nose tackle out of Wisconsin. Um, he's somewhere around 330 pounds, I believe. Big but guy. you wouldn't know it watching the way that he plays. Like, he has first step quickness. He has a bend on the interior D-line, which is something you don't see that much. A guy who can really contort his body into weird angles, and he has the core strength to still maintain his positioning and not get folded over. Like, that is a huge trait to have, and I think it's something that he has in spades. He was a all-state wrestler in high school, like, that's probably where he gets it from, but one thousand percent, I would be thrilled to get Keanu Benton in the second round. He's been creeping up boards lately. He was considered a third round guy about a month ago. Since preparing for the Senior Bowl, I, w- I watched his tape because he was there to prepare for the Senior Bowl, mm-hmm. and it was just like this guy's too good for where he's being mocked. Right, like he he is going to go high a lot higher. Than this I think he's early to mid second round. Mid, it might be being a little too uh, optimistic, but yeah. I would be thrilled to add him because he's a guy who, for the Bears, he can you can plug him in at the the two tech the two I to be that nose tackle for you, and you're not worried about when the defense shifts on you and he becomes a three technique because he has mm-hmm. enough juice that he can still be effective at the three tech spot. He not not like some nose tackles you see around the league where it's like, okay, now they're just a body eating space and they're, they're going to attack the other side. Yeah. I'm convinced you knew exactly what I was going to ask you Q because that I was going to ask you, where would you profile him in, in the Eberflus defense? <laughs> and you, you've already answered my question there I, again. I feel like this is another one of those guys Q that you've noted on previous shows, right? That is going to fall in that sweet spot where everybody wants to be, where it's that like 20 to 40 range where yeah. there's a lot of talent there that, you can make the argument for being top 20 talent. It's just because of positional need and just how the draft goes. These guys are going to fall and they're going to become value picks wherever they get selected. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I have concerns that are not concerns, but I have an inkling that the bears might have to trade up into the top 50 to get a guy that they're targeting. Um, just because, Ryan Poles did not – he was waiting on guys last year, and they didn't fall to him. Mm-hmm. Other other teams went up and got those guys. And maybe not necessarily in the second round or, like, with any specific pick, I'm saying, but, like, mm-hmm. it just felt like the way that that draft worked out, he was waiting on specific guys at specific picks, and he was just outside the range of where he needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that might make him a little more reactive to make sure he gets a certain guy this time around. Not not that he's going to become Ryan Pace, like <laughs> giving everything away that. for a guy that he wants. <laughs> but like, yeah. the, 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 there's a middle ground here 
you yeah. know, and I, th- I yep. think we might see some of that. Same page, man. I was going to say the exact same thing. Exact same thing. All right. right. Let's roll the wheel. I love this wheel. This wheel's so much fun. <laughs> the, like, suspense is killing me every single time. Ooh. Okay. This is interesting because I, I feel like Addison almost, at least lately, has become a bit of a forgotten name in terms of, like, the top receivers, right? Because, you know, JSN has generated so much buzz. I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be fascinated with what Quentin Johnson brings to the table. But Jordan Addison would be still, I think, a very welcomed pick for the Bears. Maybe not necessarily at number nine. I think this would be the kind of guy if, hey, somebody called in the 19 to 23 range and wants to move up to number nine and they're they're about to sell you three or four more picks to go with it. Then I think a, a Jordan Addison makes a ton of sense. You get him in that late teens, early 20s range. You add another weapon for Justin Fields. And again, you add a guy who I think entering the season, it was kind of a three-horse race for that top receiver spot with Addison and Johnson and, and JSN. So I would not be mad at the pick at all. I think nine would be a bit of a reach. But if they were to move back and still get a guy like Addison, I think that's a, a great value, not only for polls in general, because he's probably picking up more picks, but obviously because you give JF one another weapon. Yeah, so Addison is he is kind of a just a difficult read because he was so successful at Pittsburgh, right? And he was still very successful at USC. Mm-hmm. At Pittsburgh, he played inside, he played outside. He was versatile on versatile enough to play kind of all over the field. Mm-hmm. At USC, they focused him more into the slot, I believe. And he was still still did his thing. But you look at his numbers from the combine you see that he weighed in at 174 and the track record for receivers under 180 is just not good. They, they typically struggle to stay on the field and Mm -hmm. they're just, you have to be special to not get constantly rerouted and not get um, just bullied out there when you're that light, you need special Mm -hmm. speed. And Addison doesn't have special speed. You know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's a technician. He's good at his job. So he he becomes a really tough read for me, like, and I think for a lot of people right now, where it's you're, you're sitting there just wishing that he weighed it weighed in a little higher than he did, mm-hmm. and wishing that you could trust that a little more that he's going to be fit that he's going to be strong enough out there, heavy enough, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. to not get out physical all the time. And it's not even like he was getting out physical on his tape. He's he's just a tough read. Yeah, I was going to say, he feels like the, the perfect example of a guy that if he comes in weighing 10 to 15 pounds heavier, nobody's questioning anything. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. literally what it is with Addison. Because he's only, what, a buck 73, I think, was his official weight. Yeah. So, yeah, he comes in at And you know that was a, a waterlogged weight, too. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably had a, a nice steak dinner the night before and, you know. <laughs> but that's what that's what all these guys' weights are. You know, that's, sure, that, that's sure. the standard. Like, when I'm saying – receivers who weigh in under 180 that's a waterlogged 180 you know like so it's not like you're the numbers are all kind of consistent there from that standpoint yeah the guy who's 180 at the combine is probably like 170 but the numbers 
you're not going to adjust the numbers for everyone being waterlogged. You're just going to say, this is the weight that we use. <laughs> right. Well, and, and even if you do take that into effect, then right, like his 173 might really be 165. Yeah. And that creates even more concern then because it's not even like, oh, he's 173. Maybe he puts on 10 more pounds. It's like, this dude might need to put 20 more pounds on before we're legitimately concerned about his weight. So yeah, no, good point. Good point. All right. Let's see who, who the wheel of fortune has for me. John Michael Schmitz, nice center out of Minnesota in the second round. I'd be, I'd be good with this. I'm not, I'm, I can't sit here and say I'd be like jumping up and up and down adoring it, but you're getting a guy who can step in at center and play right away. You're getting a guy who does the line calls, is experienced, has basically, I mean, when you're looking at the center position, there, there's two ways to look at it. Like, you can want the guy like Joe Titman, who is like this freakish athlete at the center position. Like you don't really see that often. And the possibilities are limitless with him, but there's going to be a big learning curve for him in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And there's always that question. Will he be able to step up to it versus John Michael Schmitz? Who's about as close to a finished product as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Like you're probably not looking at a guy who's going to be, an all pro down the road, be a game changer on the field for you. But he's a guy who's going to, going to do the little things, right. Going to bring a physical attitude while he's doing it. And he's just rarely in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're just getting a, a rock solid guy there at your center position, which is something I'd be happy with. You know, I mean, I, I have Tipman rated higher on my board. He's the only center I have ahead of JMS, but there are more concerns with Titman. It's just the upside is much higher, I think. Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy where if you – I feel like if you do swing and miss on a guy like Titman, that if you're bringing him in, you go, okay, like you said, maybe he's not making all pro teams, but assuming he's healthy, this is a guy that feels like he's a you know 9- to 12-year starter and is just going to give you exactly what you need from the center position, which, again, if you're, if you're betting on surefire bets, even with a second-round pick, that's good value from a guy like him, in my opinion. Absolutely. All right. Let's see who you got this time around. Interesting one. Ooh, Brian Branch. See, this one, okay, this is going to be a bit of a tough one for me because, again, I, I feel like cornerback, like DB in this draft is probably the one maybe position that I'm not as super familiar with besides you want me to give you a, a like top. quick 10 second scouting report on him. Well, I was going to say, I mean, he's a Bama guy. He's a Bama DB. Obviously that, that in my opinion, if you're a Bama DB, that immediately gives you a little bit of a bump because they're just, they're so polished. They're so NFL ready. You look across every NFL roster and you're going to find maybe probably one DB that at least was sniffed by Alabama in the recruiting process. Like, they know how to develop DBs. I think what the interesting part is, is because of the Bears not needing a DB, at least in the first round, and this is what you kind of mentioned earlier with, with Banks from Maryland, A, it's a reach, and B, I just, I don't, he's not going to play over Eddie or Brisker at the safety position. So even if you do bump him into the nickel, are you really going to spend a first round pick on a nickel corner? I think this is another one that for a first round pick, people would lose their mind. Second round pick, 
totally different animal in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you're so branch at Alabama. He, he played nickel almost exclusive. Like he would, I think something like 70% of his snaps were in the slot. So he was, it's kind of like a, the kid out of Jalen Petrie out of Baylor last year. Like he, yep. he was, he was that star position in the Saban defense, Yes, which is a lot of nickel, a lot of like middle of the field. So you get branch, you're saying Kyler Gordon is an outside corner and we have our nickel. Um, it would be interesting because he's a hell of a football player, but I, I would be, I would be shocked and unsure how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a out of left field pick, I think, for the yeah. Bears in this year's draft. Yeah. Yeah. I think if the, I think if that pick is made last year, where like they took Kyler Gordon, I think it's yeah. a less of like a what the hell and more of like a oh okay versus versus this year. Exactly. All right, show me the money. You. <laughs> At a Tomawa, at a Boware. I've gotten so much better at saying this name over the last two months. I was going to say, I'm glad you have because I still <laughs> struggle with it. <laughs> so, Tommy's a freak. He's as freakish as they get. I would be cautiously, cautiously optimistic with Tommy in the second round at like 54. I mean, who knows where he's actually going to go. Some people have him going in the seventies. Some people have him going in the twenties. Like it's, he is about as rare of an athlete as you will find on a football field. He's got like 35 inch arms, runs a four, four, nine 40 weighing 280 pounds. Like it's just, he's utterly ridiculous in the gym. He's net. He didn't really play a ton interior. He played more last year at Northwestern on the interior, but prior to that, he was an edge, and he's not an edge rusher. He's he's just not bendy enough. He's not sudden enough left right that mm-hmm. that really makes a lot of sense. But as a three tech, he has the potential to be an absolute game wrecker. He's the kind of pick though that you say, "Ask me how I feel about it in three years," because. The production's not there. The tape is super up and down, and he's raw. He's just as raw, about as raw as it gets. But he is so talented that, like, I would still be optimistic about it because you don't find guys like him often. Yeah. No, agree. I, I feel like he's one of the most polarizing players in terms of where people are ranking him in this year. Like you mentioned, yeah. anywhere from 20 to 70 because of – you are truly betting here on, on on it is a big risk versus reward type pick where like you said three years from now he could be one of the best three tx in in the league mm-hmm. on the flip side he could totally fizzle out and never make it to the next level i mean he is truly yeah. one or you know he's got that kind of all the way on each end of the scale type potential just because like you said the production wasn't there in college but the 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 athletic traits are yeah, he uh, and one one last thing I'll say about him. One of the reasons I'm optimistic on, or I would be optimistic about him as opposed to like maybe much more meh on him, which is in past years, I might like, like there have been guys who it's like there's bang on athletic upside and I don't really believe in it. It's just the pure violence he plays with. Mm-hmm. He is like a bull in a china shop, which can be good and bad, but like he just plays like his hair is on fire which is that motor, 
the work ethic that there, he seems to have, that goes a long way when you're looking at guys that raw. I was going to say, also feels like a guy that Eberflus would appreciate because of that that motor. Okay, he ain't getting no loaves. <laughs> All right, let's see what, what you get. Show me the money. This is your boy, right? No. Oh, no, okay. I'm not that big on Ika. This is Siaki Ika out of Baylor, the second round, no tackle. Okay, okay. I I was thinking of the Eastern Michigan guy that we were discussing. Oh. Um, that's that's the name that came to my brain here. I was just like, all of these names that I can't pronounce are, are tripping me out here. Um, <clears throat> I would probably not be happy with this pick. And, I, <laughs> and for one reason only. Like, truthfully, it's not even slamming the player. It's – I don't see them needing to get a nose in the second round when you've already brought Billings in, who, all things considered, was a very effective veteran nose. I feel like, especially in a 43, you know, based on my experience, right, we've seen the Bears and what they've done with the, the one position in history, right? The Tank Johnsons of the world. Um, you know, guys like that weren't necessarily high picks, even in the second round, right? I feel like a, a good one tech you can find in the third and the fourth and the fifth round and get value out of that kind of guy. If I'm spending and I'm the Bears second round capital on a defensive tackle, it's a guy that I project as my future stud three tech. That's like you said, like we just talked about with Tommy. Yeah. A guy that's going to be an absolute game wrecker. So for me personally, I mean, again, a guy that's 335 and, and he's 6'3. I mean, Beautiful size. I mean, he fits the bill of he's going to stuff the run and do exactly what you need him to do in in the forty three. But just this just is, is an early pick for me, and this is one that I would be sitting there, kind of uh, you know, like Joey said earlier here. He said we were talking about waiting on picks. He's saying you should have waited on Valus. I'd probably be feeling the same way about Eka. I'd be like, yeah, you took him a little early there, bud. A little early yeah. for me. So that's my thoughts. I think. Uh... I think Valus was the result of waiting a little too long on Alec Pierce personally, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but Ika, he's a, he, he can pass rush. Like he is impressively slippery, which probably just means he's good with his hands. Mm. Um, but he's really only a straight line mover, which means if the quarterback takes one step left or one step, right. Ika just keeps going straight. Like it doesn't really, his pressures, I just feel like they don't result in a lot outside of just a stat, uh, like a, a number on a piece of paper that he got a pressure. Sure. Um, because of that pursuit, he just, he's pretty limited there. He'll stuff the run for you. But yeah, at the end of the day, like he said, he's a nose tackle. Mm-hmm. I feel like Billings is going to do probably just about as much for you as Ika would. So, like, it, I, I, I agree with you. I'd be pretty whelmed with that. I was going to say, I feel like Ika, too, maybe he's more of a guy that fits better in a, like a 34 anyway. Yeah. Gives you that just straight ahead, bull rush the center. You, you don't yeah. expect him to move laterally because you do have those outside guys on the line of scrimmage that can help clean some of that up. 100%. All right. What do we got? All right. I just got done watching Tyreek Stevenson a little while, little while ago. Perfect. Tyreek Stevenson, Miami, Florida. Not Miami, Ohio. Miami, Florida cornerback. In the second round, he's a he's another guy who's a really tough read. Like, I watched a game of his today that was 
last year against North Carolina. And honestly, it was a very clean game. There was very little that he did wrong. Mm-hmm. He was in press man most of the game. The knocks on him come down to when he's an off man, when he's in zone coverage. He just lacks a feel for for space. Mm-hmm. He is not good playing in space. He's best trying to mirror and match. And even like pattern matching zone coverages, when you ask him to do that, it's he struggles with it. He just struggles with the idea of I'm playing in this space and I just need to feel I, I need to know what's coming. I need to anticipate and I need to kind of just the instinctive side of that, because that's what a lot of it is, just the feel of it, I think at least. And that's what he struggles with. So I'd have two thoughts about the bears picking him here. Cause I do like him, but I don't think he's the most logical scheme fit being a press man corner, but he could be if the Bears are sitting there saying, we are bringing the Tampa two back. We are running a ton of cover two. Mm-hmm. And your job is to press the hell out of the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage and then watch the flat. You'd make a lot of sense for that. So if my thoughts, if they picked him here would be, well, we're going back to the Tampa two exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a, a blast from the past here from the old bears defenses. Yeah. If they, if they go that route, I was going to say, I feel like in, because of that nature of being more of a press corner too, right? To me, that screams, at least in the current Bears defense, if anything, outside of obviously going to the Tampa 2, is maybe he's then more of like a slot guy because then he is more yeah. – you're mirroring guys. Maybe he's better than in, in certain matchups. And, again, maybe that's a little too rich for, for a guy like that in the second round. So his short area explosiveness is really good, but his change of direction isn't great. Like he he, he – he can get by with his poor change of direction in in actual like outside coverage mm-hmm. because of his short air explosiveness, his length, he's six feet tall. Like mm-hmm. he has some factors that kind of make up for it. But if you put him in the nickel, I think he would struggle just because everything becomes magnified that much more at the nickel when it comes to changing direction. You got to be, you know, you don't have the sideline on one side of you as a boundary that you can use in the nickel, you're playing left and right. Right. You have to play both sides. So I I think he would struggle there. Okay. 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 Let's see. See who we got for you. Give me something good. See, I like this one. Uh, Cause Nolan Smith is again. I feel like he's one of these picks that, not necessarily in a bad way, but there's a lot of like different differentiation of opinion on him because he is explosive. And I feel like any defensive front seven player that comes from the University of Georgia is worth a flyer, right? But you know, I think for the Bears, again, I think for the Bears at nine, this is rich. Like this is this is an overdraft because in a perfect world, you're expecting a Tyree Wilson, a Miles Murphy, one of these guys maybe to still be there at nine. Now, again, if you're moving back, you're accumulating draft capital, and this is a pick in the 20s, okay. I don't hate it as much. Excited guy. I mean, they need pass rushers. That's clearly the number one need for the Bears is defensive line help. So 
If they're going out, getting a guy that can rush off the edge, that's great. I think maybe my only fear would be because Georgia runs predominantly a 34. I would be intrigued to see what his acclimation to a true 43 defense would look like at the NFL level. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's such a strong run defender, despite being like, he's only like 240 pounds. I want to say. Um, yeah. Two, 238 but, is what he's listed at. Yeah. I was going to say 236, but I didn't want to shortchange him. Uh, so he's like, his hands are so good. He's so explosive and he just gets right into the chest of the blockers and he, he really controls the point of attack well, and that's how he holds up against the run. But I'd be a little worried about him in a four-man four front of actually consistently holding up from close quarters without having that th- those steps to build up speed to power. Sure. Like, that, it, it's a different game when you're you're coming right off the line into the blocker. It's, you you got to have a certain base strength. Um, now, the thing that's really interesting with him, though, He's only put on about 10 pounds since high school. So I'm really curious if if I were the Bears, I'd be talking to my training staff asking, how much how much meat do you think we can put on this kid's bones? Because, it, it, I mean, it either means that, one, he hasn't really trained to add strength, or two, he just has a crazy metabolism that's really difficult to add weight. Mm-hmm. It could be either one, but that's what I'd be interested in with, with Nolan Smith. Makes sense. Makes sense. Got we are looking at Tank Dell, the wide receiver out of Houston in the second round. So Dell, some some people see Dell as a sweetheart pick that that they really like him. I've only watched one game of his. I watched him against Texas Tech from this past season, and I I struggled to see some of the hype. I mean. Ultimately, I, I saw a five foot eight, one hundred sixty five pound guy who got rerouted a lot, who couldn't really separate when guys started getting physical with him, and his weight was just a detriment. I mean, he's fast, no doubt, but I don't know that he's Deshaun Jackson fast, and that's what you need to be at that size to still be effective. And even then, it's a big question mark. Um, ultimately, the thing that really like I could get by some of the rerouting stuff and physical coverage downfield, but some of the stuff that really turned me off more on tank, it was when they were running some read option stuff and some RPO stuff. And he was the crossing receiver coming back through the backfield. Mm-hmm. As soon as he was past the quarterback, he'd start jogging. His hands were down by his side. And it was just kind of like, he's not fooling anybody, you know? And it just gave the back, it consistently gave the backside defender chances to go make a play instead of that split second of having to think about it. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was something. So I'd be disappointed with tank Dell this early in the fourth round. I could get behind it maybe, but sure. I'm just worried that you're just getting a, a, a kick return, part return guy who's going to admit well, some gadget plays here and there, but I'm not sure he's going to be a real contributor on offense consistently. I was going to say, and I feel like even in the second round, right. If they're there, players that are that size, more intrigued by the likes of Josh Downs and Zay Flowers than a guy like yeah. Tank Dell. Again, at this spot, I agree with you. You get him in the fourth, maybe even he falls all the way somehow to the fifth round. Okay, can get behind it because that's the kind of round you take a flyer on a guy. If it hits, great. If it doesn't, shit happens. But yeah. agreed, second round feels rich. All right. What do you say? One more? 
Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. Ron closing us out. I'm with ready. The local guy. The local guy. I would love this pick at number nine. I'm assuming we're we're this is at the Bears because if you move out of nine, he's not there. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. He's. I don't think he gets out of the top twelve personally because you know you're, you're probably going to have a run on quarterbacks early. You're going to see a lot of those guys go in probably the top seven. The Carters of the world, the Andersons of the world, you know, those guys will be gone. Then it really comes down to Gonzalez and Witherspoon, right? And he's physical as hell. I mean, I feel like that highlight from a season ago, him lighting up the receiver in the screen, was all over the place for like four days because of just how physical he was bringing that energy. He strikes me, again, the local guy. You and I sat here. You called it, too. I think that's the best part. For everybody that listens to Bears on tap, Quinton called the fact that Poles was looking and wanted local guys, and it wasn't by accident. Sure as shit, in the five following days, Poles essentially confirms it and goes, yeah, 100%. That's what I think you get with a guy like Witherspoon. And he's watched, right? He's watched the the um, – the you know the the corners of the past here the Charles Tillmans etc. He's gonna see that and go wow I get to play for the Bears I get to stay home. I mean the, if if they stay put and take him at nine I would not be disappointed whatsoever. Yeah I mean I would. So I do have Christian Gonzalez ahead of him by by a hair on my board, but I mean Witherspoon is one of the most physical corners I can remember ever watching. Like. He is just – he loves to hit. And you don't find many quarterback or many cornerbacks well, – quarterbacks or cornerbacks who like <laughs> contact that much. Facts. Like, Agreed. Agreed. He, he is an animal. Like, he, he just wants to go pop everybody who gets in his way. Uh, he is playing till the whistle constantly. Sometimes after the whistle, he's getting a little chippy, a little pushy. And um, I he's got every athletic trait that you could dream of in a corner. The like the the only flags I had on him were was the potential for flags because he gets <laughs> so chippy and he can get handsy at the top of routes or if he takes he doesn't accept that he's made a mistake well so he gets a little grabby when he does and but ultimately I think that's all stuff that you can work with he's easily a top ten pick if not a top five talent in the draft like you can't be upset with Devon Witherspoon. Agreed. And you add in that that local edge and it just yeah. brings it brings it. Now is he together. did he grow up around Chicago? I, I was I know he's at Illinois. I just assumed um, that he did, but let me take I'm not a quick sure. Look. Let's let's confirm that real quick here. So I'm sure well the other thing that's cool about Witherspoon is like Lovey Smith brought him to Champagne for a reason. Oh yeah. His defense. Like Yeah, he's uh he's a Pensacola, Florida boy by by birth. Okay. Okay. But still, he was brought to Illinois by Lovey Smith for a reason because he's a great fit for that defense. Bears run a really similar thing. Yeah. So the the fit is the fit is one hundred percent there. Q, this was fun. I love the wheel. I we might have to do the wheel again on an episode before the draft gets here because that was an oh, absolute we could bring blast. It back. And further confirming that both 
both Scott and and Joey jumped in the comments earlier and said the wheel was <laughs> awesome. So um, that was honestly a blast. I had so much fun in in this little the little over forty minute show that we had here. Um, but Q, before we get out of here, just quickly reminding everybody, Bears on Tap, one of two official podcasts of the Chicago Bears um, here at the ONTAP Sports Network. Check out our friends over at Bears Nation Pod. Uh, they do a great job. They just recorded the other day, so go listen to that. Um, you can follow them at Bear Nation Pod. We're at Bears on Tap on Twitter. I am at Loose on Tap. Q is at Butkus Stats on Twitter. If you're not following Q already, I don't know what the hell you're doing because your, your Twitter page is legitimately one of my favorite follows, my friend, on all of Twitter. Because <laughs> I appreciate it. It's an absolute blast to just read and absorb knowledge and information coming from you uh and be fu- be sure to follow all our other friends too at juice on tap friends of the program at joey knows nothing at beat on 300 they're killing it over on the bet side of the house um and we'll probably see them a little bit once the season rolls around they'll be they'll be our experts on on the gambling side not that you're a schmuck yourself they're my friend um but be sure to follow them and uh check out everything else that on tap has to offer cubs socks Bulls, Blackhawks, you know the drill. So www.ontapsports.com at ontapsports on social media, the ontap sports network. Go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Uh, this was another episode of Bears on Tap, man. It was a fun one, Q. Thank you for putting together the wheel again. Uh, I had an absolute blast, my friend. And uh, any any final thoughts before we get out of here for the day? Nope. I think I'm think I'm good. I'm gonna go back to my cave and watch some more film. I need to get into the cave and watch film so I can <laughs> I can be just as excited or not excited as the about these guys. I know just enough to be dangerous, but I I I miss watching film. So I need to I need to get I need to lock myself in a cave for a few days as well. Um, so I might be right behind you there, Q. But uh, from myself and from Q, uh, we wish all of you well. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back with you plenty before the NFL draft, and we'll be sharing what our NFL draft plans are in terms of content and coverage um, as that nears as the month of April wears on. And Q, what do you say? Get out of here if you only know how. With a good old bear down. Bear down. <laughs>